You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs, with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, dear listeners, clients, subscribers and patrons. I'm Andrew Apanov and you're listening to a new edition of the Music Growth Talks podcast. This is episode number 103 and my guest today is Ryan Carella. A Miami-based entertainment attorney, a book author, a teacher, speaker, podcast host. I'm sure that's definitely not the full list of Ryan's activities and titles. Ryan's wrote, break the business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry book. An amazing book. I highly recommend it to everyone. And he also runs a podcast under the same name. On these Music Growth Talks episodes, Ryan talked about his indie music lawyer practice, including the Break the Business Book and Podcast, and shared a number of really cool insights on surviving and thriving in the music industry today. Uh, among some of the topics we've covered, uh, trusting or rather not trusting major native record deals, how to open your own record label, uh, primarily in the United States, um, new promising platforms for musicians with uh, really neat uh, case study on Mary Amber. By the way, a link to her Twitch profile is in the show notes, which you can find at datamusic.com, musicgrowthtalks.com. Uh, so we also talked about uh, uh, registering copyrights uh, for your songs, what exactly to do that, uh, predictions for 2018, uh, and yeah, a bunch of other things, really interesting uh, stuff, uh, in my opinion. So I'm pretty sure everyone uh, will find something useful for um, for yourself here. So uh, enjoy my conversation with uh, Ryan, as uh, usual, if, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet i release a, a, a new secret um uh, podcast episodes uh, for my patrons um, every week so uh, go check it out at patreon.com forward slash andreapanov if you uh want to you know consider becoming my patron at just one dollar per month thank you all and here we go Ryan, welcome to music growth talks i'm excited to have this conversation with you again because uh I was uh, fortunate enough to be guest on your show, but today we're finally going to talk about your project. So welcome to our podcast. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. So yeah, let me uh, let me know if uh, if you mind starting with this uh, sort of a standard uh, question of ours and sharing a bit on what you've been uh, uh, doing. You can share some facts on from your background and uh, something on, on your educational projects, mainly the uh, uh, Break the Business book and the podcast of the same name. But yeah, so what would you like our listeners to know about you? I do a lot of work in entertainment law. Uh, I specialize in helping independent musicians move their careers forward. Independent musicians are my favorite kind of client. These are creative, imaginative, interesting people, and it's an honor to help them sort out their legal issues. And I do that in my legal practice, but I also do that through the educational resources that you mentioned, the Break the Business book that I wrote, as well as the Break the Business podcast, which are all about informing independent artists of how to you know, move their careers forward, how to avoid some of the pitfalls that exist in the industry and ultimately achieve success. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I didn't mention your 
professional work, but of course it's uh, the the core of of what you're doing and a lot of uh, well, yeah, I mean the, your your expertise is coming from uh, from from your work with uh, indie artists. I fully agree with you that it's uh, probably the best crowd to to work with. Even for uh, it can be challenging for us as professionals sometimes because uh, oftentimes indie artists don't have uh, the the support, the financial supports that that um, particular kind of brands such as companies, startups, or even major artists maybe maybe seen. How how have uh, have they been looking for you in terms of um, in terms of uh, so I, I'm just thinking of how to properly formulate my question just so, uh, you know, to be accurate and for you not to give away too much kind of uh, sensitive information. But uh, can you mention what kind of uh, services are the most required by indie musicians these days when they reach out to you as a, as a legal professional? That's a great question. I would say that a lot of music, I mean, one of the cool things about the new music industry that we're in right now is that music careers can look very different from indie artist to indie artist. You know, some artists do a lot of touring where they're out playing live performances. Some artists, you know, just do a lot of writing and they can get sync placements on TV shows and things like that. So every career is different. And so every artist's legal issues can be different. But we do see some commonalities. For example, Every indie artist is creating stuff. They're writing songs, they're making recordings, they're maybe writing books and doing things like that. And so you need copyright registration. You need to make sure that your intellectual property is protected. You need trademark registration for your name and you know for those kind of aspects of your career. And so I help a lot with that. A lot of artists will set up businesses. If you're an independent artist, you're a business. And so you know getting your corporation or your LLC set up is critical and lawyers can help you with that. And you're going to deal with a lot of contracts, too. Uh, with live venues, you have contracts that need to be reviewed. If you're working with other musicians to make your album or producers and engineers, those are all contracts. And having a experienced entertainment lawyer who understands the needs of independent musicians can be a valuable guide and ally for indie artists uh, as they're trying to move their careers forward. So if you have an understanding of what exactly you need, let's say it can be very well, clearly, it's, it's, it makes sense for an artist to reach out to an attorney, but then it can be also uh, generally affordable if, if people are hiring you for very specific purposes, from what I understand. I'm just, I'm just thinking, uh, the questions I'm asking here, just trying to see what kind of uh, questions our musicians, most of whom are indie artists of different genres from different parts of the world, mainly in the United States, are. Uh, Maybe asking you. So uh, yeah, the, you you've mentioned some of the very specific things. I think so. Uh, it's, it's sort of a checklist because for those listeners of ours who have just started their projects recently, the things that you mentioned maybe or some of the first things they may be looking into. Because from my experience, many artists don't actually take care of these things. So registering it, trademark and copyrighting <laughs> the songs and. Uh, all these things. Do you, do you usually recommend uh, objectively to take care of uh, things like a trademark at the very beginning of a career or, you know, taking something like a year or two to just, uh, you know, release some records and only then start to look into these? Well, I would tell you this, and it's going to depend on what country you're in. And I work in the United States. Yeah, so let's, I can let's speak about only advise on matters of American law. But what I can say to artists is copyright registration is so important. 
you know, there may be some legal issues out there that you can wait a little bit on, but copyright registration is not one of them. It is the only real way to give your copyrights any kind of real protection. The way that American law is structured is if you don't actually have your copyrights registered, you do still technically have a copyright, but you don't have much legal protection for that copyright. You're limited in the damages you can get if somebody infringes your copyright. You're you're limited in the remedies that are available to you if somebody steals your work. And so registering your copyrights is one of the most important things that you can do as an artist from a legal standpoint. And unlike a lot of legal things that are out there, copyright registration in the United States is really easy to do. You know, it's even one of these things where if you do enough research and the circumstances are simple enough, you might be able to register your copyrights yourself without an entertainment lawyer. But it's still something that's very, very important to do. And it's not one of these areas where you want to kind of, you know, wing it and not, you know, take care right. of this. Yeah, yeah, totally. And what if uh, if I, let's say I'm, I'm in a band and uh, I've been around for a couple uh, years with my mates and I've just uh, got uh, an interesting proposal from a major record label. So I've heard that, you know, there have been some cases with uh, artists getting really bad deals with major labels and being locked with, uh, with particular imprints uh, for many years without being, you know, promoted or being able to do much. But I have a feeling that it's not happening these days much more. So would I trust the contract that is <laughs> offered to me by a record label, let's say by one of the majors? Or is it just in, it's not even, it shouldn't even be discussed and I'm just going to a lawyer right away. Andrew, I am thrilled that you've brought me on to discuss this really important issue. One of the big themes in my Break the Business book is all about the dangers that exist from record deals, particularly those offered by major labels, but really record deals that can come from a number of sources. I tell this to people all the time. I say it in speaking engagements. I've written it in articles. In my legal practice, I have yet to read one record deal that I could ever advise a client to sign. And there's two reasons for that. One, most of these record deals have terms that are so dangerous, that are so predatory, that are so detrimental to an artist's career that an artist would be in a lot of danger to sign them. You know, a lot of things that you talked about, provisions that can keep an artist stuck in a deal for a number of years where they're forced to only record for that record label and for nobody else. 360 clauses, which require an artist to give the record label a significant portion of their income, even if the record label had nothing to do with producing that income for that artist. Low royalty rates. It, so much about record agreements are problematic. And the second reason why artists should avoid these record deals is that you live in a music industry where it is easier than ever. It is more possible than ever to achieve success while not being signed to a record deal, achieving success while being able to hold on to your copyrights, while being able to keep more of your money, while being able to be in true command of your career. Producing music, promoting music, distributing music, funding your music, is cheaper and easier than it's ever been thanks to the internet. There's more tools than ever. And so now you can do all the things that a label does yourself and be the boss. You can be the captain of your ship and you can control your resources and keep more of your income. And 
everything about record deals is antithetical to right. what the opportunities of the new music industry provide. And that's why I always tell artists to be very cautious about signing a record deal and to find ways to achieve success on your own terms because you can do it in this industry. Yeah, 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 totally. It's the, the possibilities are there. What you just mentioned is very helpful and useful to anyone in the fact that even a relatively small indie record label deal may be bad for you if you don't check the terms. And most musicians out there, and I don't know, I'm like speaking of myself, I really don't understand much of what is set on the, uh, in the contracts, even being in the industry for many years. So it's, 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 <laughs> it's something that you, you, you want to consult uh, about with, uh, with a professional. So that definitely makes well, sense. Yeah. Let me tell you this dirty little secret, Andrew. You know, what you were saying about reading a record deal and not being able to understand it, most entertainment lawyers, even really experienced entertainment lawyers, don't understand what's in those record deals. An 80-page document, a 100-page document with a bunch of confusing terms and extra provisions, any lawyer who tells you that they fully understand the terms of one of these major label deals is lying to you. These contracts are a confusing labyrinthian mess and you know anything that even an experienced lawyer can't understand is not something an artist should sign right it's interesting it gives <laughs> a lot of hope and about the industry we're in but you know things are things are changing the release is as you said it's possible to uh to self-release and it's much easier than in the past and so you can build a successful career in in a niche or even become known nationwide for example just doing it on your own so just one question before maybe we talk about self-releasing music or anything related i got uh this asked by two uh clients of ours uh in the past few months and it was about registering the record label in the united states so uh, even for an artist outside of the states they just the idea is that you know, you've been releasing music for a long time and uh, and uh, some, so like the fans are used to the fact that you're self-releasing and all, but some press, uh, local press may be a bit skeptical still because you are, you're doing it yourself and not signed to a label and so on. So sort of a, a one hand side, like a prestige kind of branding standpoint of view and on the other, just to be able to support others, other artists as well. So some musicians I know are interested in uh, in opening a record label and making it appear as it, it's coming from the United States. So do you have any particular recommendation here uh, for people, for, for Americans, and specifically for people outside of if you have any experience with? Uh, so what, what would you recommend? Just going with opening a website and just, you know, some PO box or whatever, or properly, you know, opening and registering an LLC and so on? That's a fantastic question and a terrific point. And that is something I run into artists with artists. When I, when I give them the speech that I just gave you about the dangers of record deals, they'll inevitably come back to me and say, all of that's true. I understand all of that and I'm with you. But there is a prestige that comes with being able to say that you're with a record label, that I have a label deal, yeah. that there's this company that works with me. And like when I'm representing myself, you know, to when I'm to show bookers and, you know, different things like that. When I have a label name behind me, it gives me more juice. I completely understand that. And what I say to artists is you want to be signed to a record label, start a record label. I'll help you form an LLC tomorrow. You can give it any name you want. 
you know, if, if you don't, you know, whatever your artist's name is, like if your name is, you know, XYZ, you don't have to call it XYZ Records so it looks obvious that it's just you. Yeah. Give it a completely different name and you can be signed to that label. But, you know, you own that label, you keep the profits and you don't have to worry about, you know, losing control. And now you have a label that you're signed to and you can represent yourself that way. And in the United States, it's fairly easy to form a company and a lawyer can help you do that. You start with something like an LLC, which is a limited liability company. They don't have a lot of extra requirements, the taxes, you know, not, there's no you know, corporate tax or anything like that. It's passed through taxation. So it's easy for your accountant to do. You form one of those, you get a tax ID number, you can get a bank account for yourself and you know, you have everything you need to hit the ground running with your own little record label. And you know, any entertainment lawyer, you know, with any kind of experience in business law can help you set that up and, you know, give you those kind of resources. But yeah, you, you talk to an entertainment lawyer, you would form most likely an LLC if you want to keep your structure simple in a state. In the United States, businesses aren't formed nationally, they're formed in a particular state. So you have to pick a state of incorporation. You know, Delaware is pretty popular just because of the corporate law that's there. You know, if you're an international artist, you know, maybe you might want to look to Delaware. But again, you know, I have a lot, I work with a lot of Florida clients because I'm based out of Miami and, you know, we form a lot of Florida LLCs for this purpose. Yeah. And it gives you that prestige you need. And, need. and frankly, if you're a musician that is achieving any kind of, you know, has any kind of real financial success, that means you also have money to lose. And in that situation, it makes perfect sense for you to set up some kind of LLC or corporation or something like that so that you have limited liability protection for your business so that your personal assets are less at risk yeah. if somebody were to sue you as a musician. Right, right. Makes sense. Great. Thank you for, I mean, it's very specific. So I, I, I think it's, uh, it's the starting point for anyone who, uh, who wants to look into that. Good stuff. Uh, so... I just had something uh, uh, something to ask you unrelated to anything specific because I just I don't know yet what exactly you are going to bring up here but I was very curious if if uh, there have been anything uh, in the book that uh, you'd update by this point because when was uh, Break the Business release? Like two years back, or I don't. Even yeah, remember. a couple of years ago. So, what has changed in the industry, in the landscape, you know, in the whole ecosystem since then? That's so fun. So much has changed. This music industry is moving so fast, and while the core principles that are discussed in the book, you know, withstand the test of time and are still valuable today, I would say that there are new companies and new services that are always emerging that make things different for artists. You know, the general idea of an artist taking control of their own career, being independent, being the boss, you know, that's going to be the model for generations to come. But there's always new companies that emerge. Since I wrote that book, for example, Patreon has really started to emerge as a significant player for musicians. And a lot of musicians and other creators are looking to that particular website as a way to get stable income. It's a for those of your listeners who aren't familiar, Patreon is a crowdfunding website where unlike a traditional crowdfunding page like Kickstarter, where you only fund you know, one project at a time, you know, one big album or one movie or something like that, on Patreon, an artist can get contributors to basically donate or contribute money to their career every time they do something. So every time they put out a music video or write a new song 
or you can even set it up where your patrons give you funds every week. And what that does is it allows artists to have a stable form of income that they can, you know, and, and income that they know is going to be there, that they know they can pay their rent with, that they can pay their bills with. And the CEO of Patreon, Jack Conte, believes that this model could be the prevailing model in the music industry as it becomes harder and harder for some musicians to make money from their recordings because of the rise of streaming. Having a model like this is a new way that artists can get consistent income. And we're starting to see some artists who are doing really well on this platform. Yeah. And it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. And I'm so glad that you mentioned this because, well, yeah, we, we had Jack Conti on the show uh, some years back and uh, I've been supporting the platform since then, even before then. And I've been promoting it to our artists for so long that I eventually decided to become more active there myself. So it's still, I'm still building the, the presence there, but yeah, I'm usually, I usually mention it at the, at the beginning of the show that, yeah, patreon.com and Rapanov, there is a special secret feed of this podcast even available just for uh, subscribers beginning last week. So it's brand new thing. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm extremely excited that you mentioned that and I'm, I'm with you here. Uh, and, and there are other platforms for that as well. So the, the, I mean, Patreon received some bad PR recently because of experimenting with the payment system and, which could result in the patrons being charged more. So they, they decided not to go with that model. And I think it's, it was just, yeah, it wasn't that bad. And so it's quite exciting that there are other platforms like Drip by Kickstarter, although it's kind of owned by Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. And um, Gumroad, uh, uh, which is a popular indie um, store platform, has a subscription model as well. So it's, it's really yeah, I'm with you here. So this model can be more effective in the long run than crowdfunding. Cool. Anything else? I'm I'm curious what what else you have to recommend. Maybe anything that uh, your guests have been talking about lately that's particularly resonated with you. Oh, oh I could go on forever shows. about different platforms that are out there. One that I've seen in particular that a lot of artists have been getting into, at least on the U.S. side, is Twitch. So Live streaming platforms are becoming really popular with indie artists, platforms like Stageit, for example, where you can basically put on a live show from the comfort of your own home and have a worldwide audience that can actually contribute money you know, through tip jars and things like that in real time. And a lot of the musicians that I know and work with are introverted. They don't want to, you know, they don't like to you know, perform in front of a big kind of arena with lots of people in front of them, but they don't mind being in front of a camera in a more intimate setting. And so live streaming works for them. But the platform Twitch has really started to take hold with a lot of the artists I know and that I work with. This is a, a platform that was originally created to stream people playing video games, uh, video games and tabletop games and mobile games and things like that. But a lot of musicians are starting to kind of gravitate toward this platform because there's a built-in community of young people who are interested in pop culture and geek culture and things like that. And if you're a musician that caters to that group, you're going to find a very sympathetic community on Twitch. Plus, it's a really easy platform to use. It's got a lot of great third-party components on it that integrate with the platform really well. And it can be a great way for you to stream yourself playing songs, doing music. And I've seen artists do some pretty cool things with it. I've seen some artists who just, you know, they do live shows on it and that works. But I've seen artists who will live stream themselves making their album and giving their fans 
kind of a nice inside window into their experience. I even know of one artist who I've had on my podcast a few times named Mary Amber, who does all of her songwriting on Twitch, where she'll sit in a room and you get to watch her write a song in real time and actually through the Twitch chat window, type in lyric suggestions to her. She'll actually solicit lyric suggestions from her fans and you can actually help her you know, make a song. What a cool experience if you're a fan of an artist to kind of get that level of closeness and know that you've had a small impact on that artist's music career. I mean, that's so exciting to me because you you can't, you couldn't imagine doing that 20 years ago and now it's a regular part of the music industry and that's fabulous. And so I, I love seeing what these live streaming platforms can do. Not only is it a great way for fans to get closer to the artists they love, but it's a great income opportunity for artists as well. Do you have any other examples of artists doing some cool stuff on Twitch specifically? So we we can link to Mary's channel in the show notes, but if there is anyone else, you you don't even have to mention now, but uh, you could just email me some names so I can include the links because I'm pretty sure it it would be interesting to see some of the examples that you've come across. Right on. I'd be be happy to do that. And again, that's uh, M-E-R-I, Amber. Not a lot of people get that spelling uh, a little wrong, but that's... But yeah, she's she's a master on Twitch. If if your listeners out there are looking for somebody who really knows how to use that Twitch platform and do some cool things with that, she is a masterclass in that. Excellent. Yeah. So as as always, it's um in the show notes and uh, probably some other examples as well. So uh, worth checking out for sure. And it's really interesting how this gaming live streaming platform is being used by musicians. Fascinating stuff. Good. So, I mean, it's uh, quite a few interesting uh, uh, tips for specifically for self-promotion because you don't really need uh, a label to back you up to do these kind of things uh, such as Patreon and live streaming on Twitch. So this is uh, exciting. Uh, something that we should probably mention is that, of course, it all takes a lot of uh, time and effort to build an audience on any platform. But yeah, it, it, it can pay off really really well what's with uh, just the more traditional social media platforms by the way so do you have any kinds of predictions for 2018 since we are recording this at the very it's like the first uh, podcast episodes i'm recording in 2018 so uh, it's still you know we, we can still talk a bit about the predictions and stuff so do you have in the social media realm do you have any insights thoughts on what we should expect this year Oh, yes, of course. I think in 2018, you're going to see even more social media players emerge. Every year, there's always new social media platforms that come out. And one of the great challenges that indie artists have is figuring out what platforms to make part of your social media strategy. You know, there are artists out there who try to give themselves a presence and be active on every social media platform. And that's just not realistic. And you kind of have to pick and choose the ones that work best for what you do as an artist. And you know, that you're willing to put a lot of time and resources into. So there's always going to be more and more. I think Facebook is slowly fading. It's still the biggest social media platform by far, but it's also getting older and older. And the indie artists that are coming out right now are getting younger and younger, and they're gravitating more to platforms like Twitter or even Snapchat or some of these other ones. And so, you know, if you're a younger indie musician, it's all the more critical for you to find out where your audience is and make sure to cater them. What you're also going to see a lot more, and this is an exciting development, is social media platforms more and more integrating with music to create more opportunities 
for artists to get their music out there. All the major social media platforms are investing a lot of resources in creating more seamless live streaming options for their listeners where you can live stream right on Facebook, right on Twitter and things like that. And you're also seeing with Facebook, Facebook is doing deals with all the major publishing companies to allow artists to live stream cover songs right on Facebook, right on Twitter without creating any kind of copyright issues, which is a huge win because a lot of indie artists will boost their career and you know boost their awareness by covering and doing interesting covers of songs that are already out there and already popular. So as websites like Facebook and Twitter start to ink more of these licensing deals, it's going to create more opportunities for artists to get their music out there, get their sound out there with interesting cover songs without fear that your video is going to get taken down by a copyright notice. Right. Yeah, that's very important. With quite a delay that finally it's happening across such yeah, monster platforms as, as Facebook. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Brilliant. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about, but that you would like to share with uh, with musicians listening to us? Any kind of uh, particular advice? Maybe it's something that has been in you know on your minds in the past you know couple of weeks. Sure. I think two things come to mind in particular. One is more sort of specific to things that are going on right now, and one is more of just a general kind of principle. First, I would tell artists, especially nowadays. If you are an independent musician, that means you are a business owner. And like any business owner, you have to stay on top of the laws and policies that affect your business. And you have to be prepared to advocate for changes in the law that are good for your business. So that means you actually have to open up things like the Hollywood Reporter Esquire and look at what laws are actually going through Congress and see what's good for you and what's not and be able to advocate accordingly. Uh, for example, there is a law going through Congress right now called the Music Modernization Act. And it has a very good chance of passing because you know this particular Congress is one that is sympathetic to copyright reform. And that is a law that could result in significantly higher streaming payments for musicians on platforms like Spotify. But it could also lead to a situation where artists may have less of an ability to advocate for their legal rights in court if something goes wrong. And right now there's a debate going on in the music industry as to whether this law is good for artists or bad for artists. And the answer is not completely clear, but as an artist, you need to pay attention to that debate and make sure that you're informed on the issue so that you can advocate for what's in the best interest of your business. And so, and then more generally, what I would say to artists is, and this is an advice I give all the time is you have to be willing to hyper create in the new music industry. It is easier and cheaper than ever to make promote and distribute your own music. And what that means is artists have an expectation to create, 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 create more than they would have ever had to. You know, if you are only creating one album every couple years or every three years, you're not creating enough. You know, there are artists out there who are putting out a new song a week. Some are even putting out a new song a day or something close to that. And the reason why they're doing that is because creation is free. There's more stuff out there than ever before. And so you need to keep your fans satisfied with a constant stream of content so that they always have a chance to remember you and they never forget about you. And that's so, so important. And, you know, not everything has to be big budget, by the way, even just, you know, making a little you know video on YouTube or doing remixes of your songs or doing acoustic covers. 
but always put something out there so that your fans have a constant stream of content. That is so, so important in this industry. And honestly, those who create a lot can separate themselves from those who don't. And those tend to be the folks who succeed yeah. in this business. That's true. That's true. These are two excellent pieces of advice. And uh, yeah, so uh, I, I do appreciate you mentioning both a lot. Ryan, for those who want to learn more about you, so two things I would like to mention. One is where to find your educational resources for those who are on the go, for example, and just want to subscribe to your podcast, uh, you know, right from their mobile phone. And then for those who are interested in your professional services, where they can find more about what you offer and do for musicians. Oh, that's uh, terrific, terrific questions. For the educational resources, if you go to breakthebusiness.com, all one word, you can find not only the Break the Business book that we talked about, which is Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. You can find that there. But you can also find the Break the Business podcast. It's a weekly podcast that I do in which we talk about issues that are specific to indie artists in the music industry. And every week we interview an expert or a musician in the music industry who gives you significant tangible tips on how to move your career forward. We've done 113 episodes. We just finished one yesterday. So there's a long library of great tips and advice that you can go to and you can find what you need there. And you know that's going to be valuable. And if you're interested in legal services, I would just email breakthebusiness at gmail.com. I read every email that comes in and uh, I can, you know, we can help sort out any kind of issues you might have. But most importantly, I just want to make sure that the folks get educated. And, you know, the book and the, and the podcast can be a great way to do that. Oh, also with the podcast, you can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes person, it's pretty easy just to go onto that podcast platform and subscribe. And you'll get the new episodes that come up every Sunday. Excellent. So thank you a lot for, for doing what you do for, uh, for artists and for the whole uh, music industry. It's really appreciated. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to reading new books of yours, hopefully, and listening to new episodes of the show. I love it. Absolutely great insights. And uh, yeah, so I highly recommend to subscribe and everyone who's listening to this one. And uh, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today. I am honored to have the opportunity to speak with you and your listeners. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan, and thank you for listening, dear listener. And I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. If you have any feedback, questions, comments, please leave them at SoundCloud. So SoundCloud, soundcloud.com uh, forward slash Wispin. We still have the Wispin URL for our SoundCloud um, profile. Also, mainly it's, it's just about the Music Growth Talks uh, podcast these days. Uh, and uh, of course, there is also the uh, show notes post uh, at the Data Music uh, blog at datamusic.com. Uh, the best way to uh, to to ask me follow up question on anything we discussed here is uh, writing a comment or sending me a private message on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Andrew Epanov. Uh, consider becoming my patron at one dollar per month of them and uh, that's pretty much it be sure to check out the break the business podcast it's an amazing show lots of interesting guests and insights and of course the book it's available on amazon and also the audio version is up at audible 
Say hi to Ryan on Twitter. His handle is in the show notes as well. And, uh, and thank you once again. See you on the next Music Growth Talks episode. You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanov. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com.